Okay, so joining us today is Kelly. Um, Kelly adopted a sibling group, and so she's going to talk a bit about, about that. Um, Kelly also um, has a, uh, set up a, a really useful um, group called Seaglass, so we will be discussing that as well. Um, so first of all, um, welcome Kelly, thank you for joining us. Hi, that's okay, nice to be here. Thank you. Um, so do you want to start by just sharing what brought you to um, adoption in the first place and a little bit about your, your journey and how many children you were uh, you adopted yeah okay so um my husband and I came to adoption through not being able to have our own children but we knew that having children was something that we wanted to do so and I think we'd always been quite open to that idea anyway um and so it was quite a natural progression for us to quite quickly actually then say do you know what we're going to adopt um so we now have three adopted children who are all siblings they're full siblings um and we adopted the first two in 2015 and the third in 2015 so we've had them uh quite a while now well so you didn't adopt them all in one go although it, it was in the same year is that right yeah, so we uh, we adopted our eldest son and daughter in 2014 um, and then not too long after they moved in with us, we found out that birth mother had had a, a third child and we were offered the opportunity to adopt him as well. So it took quite a while for the paperwork and all that to happen um, and he was about eight months old when he moved in with us. So it was um, 10 months after our first two children moved in, he moved in. So we went from naught to three in 10 months. I bet that was quite a shock to the system. Yeah, it was actually, it really was um, because they were quite young as well. So it was kind of three very young children, um, which was a shock. So going from no toddlers to two toddlers was quite a lot. Um, and you do, uh, I think with adoption, you do possibly lose that kind of organic start where, you know, you have a baby, obviously babies need a lot, but they don't move particularly, you know, and so go straight into to two and then, and then a baby that will kind of moving around. Uh, yeah, it is quite a shock. To the system, I can imagine. Um, so did you always know that you wanted to adopt siblings? Uh, yes, I think so. We came to that decision quite quickly. We knew we wanted more than one child. And when we started looking into the adoption process, realised that um, we had the opportunity to keep some children together. Um, and we heard quite quickly that sometimes sibling groups are harder to place. And because we knew that we would end up wanting more than one child, um, it was quite a quick thing for us to say, well, why don't we just adopt siblings in the first place? Because then we're getting more than one child, which is what we want. But in doing that, we're actually managing to keep um, a group of children together. So kind of if that's something that we can do, then why not do it? So yeah, it was right from the start and um, it was going to be a sibling group for us. What would you say the, um, the benefits have been to adopting a sibling group, um, both for yourself and for your children? Um, for us, it meant that we only went through the process once. Well, I guess because then we had another baby come along, we kind of went through it kind of one and a half times. Um, we only really went through the assessment process once. Um, and I think what's quite good for us is that we're only dealing with kind of one story and one set of birth parents. And so that feels quite neat and, and um, kind of go, this is, this is our scenario, this is us, these are the children, this is the birth family. And we're not kind of 
dealing with with different birth families. So I think for us, it keeps it quite neat. Um, for the children, I think it's huge. Um, I we always one of the other reasons for wanting siblings was to be able to have them have a blood connection and to be able to have that opportunity to go oh look my eyes look like your eyes or i've got your feet my children have all got the same feet um and so to be able to kind of have that connection go they're not going to have that with us they're not going to have that with anybody else but if they can have it with each other and have that blood connection and where they they possibly look like each other or have traits within each other we thought you know that's that's really great for them to be able to do that and that's playing out now that our children are older that's kind of evident that that's positive and we felt as well that again they've got the same story they've got the same birth parents if there comes a point when they want to make contact and um, they can go through that journey together they can make those decisions together and they can support each other in it and it's all um just seems more straightforward and neater um, but i think it's lovely to say to the children you know you are you are full siblings you are completely related to each other and I think it's it's nice to be able to give them that yeah definitely and um, would you say you faced any additional challenges because of uh, adopting siblings only that there's three of them so you times everything by three <laughs> so not really in not from an assessment point of view or or anything like that I, I don't think so um I just on a practical there's just more of them um so it's busy and um you're dealing you know you are dealing with children who have in one way or another suffered trauma and they're living with that trauma so we're not we're not parenting one child living with trauma we're parenting three and um, so that's a lot to take on and um not only is it about our relationship with each child but then it's about the children's relationship with each other so you've got a lot of relationships at play each sibling with each other and each sibling with each parent there's actually quite if you join all those dots together there's a lot of relationships um so so yeah only in that kind of practical that sense that there's a lot of people and a lot of relationships to manage and sometimes when you're dealing with children who are living with their trauma you have all the training and are trying all the parenting techniques and all the this and the that to try and manage them through that. But if their sibling comes along and just does whatever they want and says whatever they want, sometimes it feels like what they do then just blows all your hard work out of the water because they kind of are there and, and it puts extra strain on and extra stresses. Um, but I think there's way more positives than challenges, way more. Oh, that's great to hear. Um have you um or what support have you received or accessed um in terms of formal support we didn't have any for the first few years we bundled along um quite nicely for the first few years um i don't even think one adoption really knew who we were because we didn't adopt through one adoption um but then my youngest son started to struggle more with his behavior and then we got on the radar of one adoption and through them we've had uh, therapeutic parenting so we've been having support um with a therapist off oh, for about three years now i think which has involved um some therapy for my son um but then mostly to be honest weekly sessions with me in terms of therapeutic parenting and support that then kind of trickles out to the rest of the family. My husband's engaged with it as much as he can. Um, so that's been our kind of formal support. Uh, 
informally it's friends and family and, and and that kind of side of things we don't have any family local and i think we kind of wish that we did it does make it harder not having family living nearby um but they're brilliant anyway um and then because of my work which i know we're going to talk about um I am quite embedded into kind of the adoption community with adoption parents. So there's a lot of peer support there that I'm able to kind of access, which is also really useful. And we've got a few friends as well um, who've adopted children. So we've kind of, we've got pockets of kind of appropriate support around informal and formal. Speaking of your uh, your sort of extended family, how did they find suddenly having uh, three three additional children joining the family? They loved it. <laughs> <laughs> they loved it so yeah it's great um my brother's got three children so it kind of matched up with them so my mother now has six grandchildren which just adores and my husband's side of the family is really big and there's loads of he's got loads of siblings and there's loads of grandchildren and, and stuff so they just yeah know everybody everybody thinks they're great and he's loved it so you've been able to give them that additional extended family experience as well Oh yeah, absolutely. And um, because our family don't live nearby, um, they all live uh, quite a long way, but most of them live by the sea. So what's nice is visiting actually just turns into holidays. So we're really blessed that we're able to kind of um, go visit. We don't have them here and we miss out because they're not here, but what we gain from that is we get lots of seaside holidays, which I think is really lovely. Yeah, sounds great. <laughs> So if, uh, what advice would you give to somebody who's thinking of adopting, especially if they're kind of umming and ahhing about whether, whether they could adopt siblings or not? I think, um, I think my advice would be if you suspect you're going to, in, at the end of the day, want more than one child, if that's something that you kind of go to, you know what, we see the end of our journey, there's going to be more than one child. If you kind of know that, I would say just adopt siblings in the beginning. Go through the process, do it, and then you're you're not only kind of making that process easier for yourself, but you are supporting those children to be together. And I think that helps you then in as they're growing up and as they're getting older that they've got each other to connect with that way. Um, so yeah, I think it's definitely worth considering there's plenty of help and support out there. Um, and I think it's just a nice, you know, it's a good thing to be able to do if you can. If you've got the capacity to do it, to keep these children together. Yeah, definitely. I agree. Do you want to share a bit about what Sea Glass Collective is? Yeah, so Sea Glass Collective, um, well, it was an initiative that I set up in 2018. It's now a charity. So it's a small organisation. It's got charitable status. Um, and it's, it's an organisation that delivers arts projects specifically for adopted children and young people. Um, although actually now we're branching out into parents as well and we've started delivering um, workshops and projects for um, parents of adopted children, which is fantastic. So we run a number of projects throughout the year, mostly in West Yorkshire, in all sorts of different art forms. Um, and we just deliver those projects in a slightly different way uh, to, we've kind of created a delivery model, I guess, or a best practice model, if that's what you want to call it, and kind of tried and tested about how to deliver arts projects that means young people who've been adopted can um, happily take part and benefit from everything that the arts have to offer because they do, they can often struggle to take part in mainstream activities and therefore they miss out. 
What led you to creating Sea Glass Collective? So it was talking to another adoptive parent, actually, and it wasn't even about the arts. So I've got a background in the arts. I've worked in the arts for, for 20 or so years, um, mostly in kind of arts management and project management roles. Um, but it was it was speaking to a parent and it was actually about um, their son starting beavers. It was nothing to do with the arts. But she was saying that her son was starting beavers and her gut instinct was, I know my son. I know he's going to have a better first session if I'm able to stay there. But she said, the problem is that nobody really understands that. The assumption is you can just drop your child off. And she said, my choices are drop him off. And the, you know, and the leaders were kind of going, oh, it's fine, mum, you just leave him. He'll be all right. Leave him with us. Off you go. So you can kind of go with that and do that. But kind of know that actually your, her son was going to struggle with that separation and wasn't going to have as good a time and wouldn't settle as well without her there. She said, I kind of, I either go with that or I stick my neck out and I seem to kind of, I look like I'm making a bit of a fuss and I go, oh, do you know what? Actually, my child needs extra support and I'd like to be able to do this. Is that okay? And she said, it's really difficult. That's where it stemmed from. And I just started to hear more and more that actually children who've been adopted or some or many children who've been adopted struggle with separation from their parents and struggle to kind of just be dropped off an activity. And often there's big groups of children and one or two adults um, and you've got to be quite robust to just go and take part. And, and sometimes our children aren't that robust and they need a slightly different approach. And then from my art side, I started to kind of notice that nobody really was delivering that, that there seemed to be a gap. Um, there's loads and loads of art outreach projects for all sorts of different communities, but there didn't seem to be anybody delivering for adopted children. And I think there's a misconception, which is, I guess fair enough outside the adoption community that once you're adopted life is fine and love conquers all and I think and that I can understand why people think that if you're not involved um but that's not actually the case and these children do need extra support and nobody else seems to be doing it and I thought well I'll bring my adoption and my arts experience together and see if it works so I did some pilot projects in 2018 and it really worked um and it's gone from strength to strength ever since, really. Um, as I say, we got charity status last October uh, and we're delivering projects and getting funding from various different places. And we've just started delivering work um, and delivering arts projects for parents as well, um, which has been fantastic, actually. It's been really good. What kind of benefits do you feel that the, um, the children and the parents who, who take part get out of it? Oh, there's loads. So some of it's as basic as taking part. So some of our young people who take up part in our projects aren't able to access mainstream. It might be uh, that they can't cope in that environment. Um, the, the new environment, the new adults, other children, just all those kind of those changes and those unknowns they, they can't deal with and so they can't take part or perhaps their behaviours are misunderstood or can't be managed the leaders aren't trained in the right way to be able to manage their behaviors and go you know what actually we don't have the capacity to be able to support your child in this group they can't stay and these are stories that i hear from people um so some of it's as basic as being able to do it just being able to turn up and enjoy yourself but there's so many other benefits as well for the young people so obviously it's about being with other adopted children building their confidence their self-esteem all those skills they raise their aspirations for the future and believe in themselves and what they could achieve 
Um, we also support what we kind of call a gradual and appropriate independence from parents. So one of the things, because of these conversations I had with my friend in the, in the beaver situation, um, one of the things we've always said is that parents can stay in the room if they want to, if that's what helps settle the child. So what we encourage is a gradual independence from parents. So that moves at the pace that's appropriate for the child. So sometimes parents might stay for one session and then they don't come to the second, third, fourth, fifth. Um, or it might be they come to the first 10 minutes of each session and then they kind of slowly back out of the room, that kind of thing. But the hope is that by the end of the project, that child is engaging independently um, because then that builds their resilience, it builds their strength. It means that often as well, C-class can be a stepping stone um, to mainstream activities that once they've taken part in some C-class projects, actually they've got um, the confidence and the self-esteem to then go and take part in, in everything else. Um, so yeah, there's all sorts of benefits for the young people. There's a byproduct that we weren't expecting, which is the kind of informal support that the parents then offer each other. So what we find is when you've got the children are in a workshop and the parents, we always kind of provide a space in the building for parents to be somewhere comfortable where they can make a cup of tea. Um, so that we often find that children if they don't want their parent in the room, they're still like their parent in the building and they don't want them to be too far away. So we provide a, a nice comfortable space for them to be. And what we found is those parents, then there's a lot of peer, informal peer support happening there and a lot of phone numbers being swapped and WhatsApp groups being made and that kind of thing, because those parents kind of go, oh, here's a group of people who understand what I'm going through and who get it and aren't going to judge me. And I don't need to explain all of this stuff because they already know. Um, so that's really coming out of it. And then I think with the adult projects where we're supporting parents, we've done two now. Um, and again, it's obviously about your creativity and being able to develop those creative skills and have fun. But so much of it is about self-care parent and obviously we all know that self-care is really important within adoption and you've got to look after yourself in order to then have the resilience and the strength to be able to parent in the way that you need to be able to parent um, and what our adult projects offer is that space for self-care and to go and do something really enjoyable really freeing it's creatively challenging but it's not intimidating and you're with a group of parents who all get it and who will just understand where you're coming from. And so the conversation is safe, the environment is safe. You can say things and you know people aren't gonna judge you or look at you funny and go, oh my gosh, that child did what? There's none of that. Um, so you can just be quite free within that whilst having fun and being creative. I made a mug in a ceramics workshop last week that we were doing with our adults and it's great. And I was, oh, fantastic, I've made a mug which I've never done before. Um, so, you know, there's all that fun and just being able to switch off and enjoy yourself, which we know is important for everybody. Yeah, definitely. It sounds as though you've um, you've really progressed with uh, with Seaglass over the years. What, what are your plans for the future? Oh, so much. <laughs> so there's some projects that we've done in the short term that I'm hoping to be able to move into long-term projects that we just have on all of the time. So we run a youth theatre that's on term time all the time and I want our choir to turn into that. Um, so there's some projects that I want to kind of bolster up. 
um, I want to really explore this work with parents because it, it, it wasn't our original intention, but I think it's really important and it's evident now having done two projects that um, there's something, there's some really important work there and we can really help and make a difference. So the, the work with parents I want to expand on. I'm also really interested in career development opportunities for kind of early teens and kind of young adults because in the same way that our younger children might struggle to go to a drama group or a music session or a dance class, I think those older children perhaps are going to find themselves with similar barriers when it comes to their career development and their work experience and getting stuff on their CV. And I mean, I, you know, I've worked in the arts. I know how important it is to to make it in the arts i know how important it is to have a, a good cv and to, you've got to stick your neck out can, can i come and volunteer at the theater can i do this can i do that and again you've got to be robust to be able to do that you've got to be able to be knocking on doors and going i want to come and help i want to do stuff um and so i'm really interested in that but showing young people that the arts is a viable career option for them and supporting them to be able to do that and i'd quite like to explore um, like a work placement volunteer scheme where C-class works as a catalyst between the young person and an arts organisation. So a young person and their family would come to me and go, oh, our son is really interested in the theatre. Could we arrange a placement for him? And then I approach the theatre and we build a bespoke work placement for that child that is specifically meeting that child's needs. Um, so, you know, the, the scaffolding, the support that that child needs in order to achieve that we put that in place so that's kind of one of the things i've got on the horizon we've not done anything on it yet um and then also there's a lot of kind of training involved um i want to be we we deliver a training package now that we can offer to practitioners and arts venues about how to become adoption friendly so i also want to really influence how the mainstream sector delivers its work and go actually it's not it shouldn't be just about children who can access sea glass projects. It needs to be about making the whole sector more adoption friendly um, and going, how can mainstream arts workshops take on some of our model in order to be more accessible so that our children can actually access anything? Um, so I'm really interested in kind of that and having an influence about around broader practice. So lots yeah. to do, lots to do. Yeah, it sounds like a fantastic idea, though. Um, so do you want to just share how people can uh, can find out a bit more about joining? Yeah, so um, all the kind of normal ways. We've got a website, um, kind of just Google Seaglass Collective. Uh, we've got a website with contact details and things on there. We've got um, an Instagram page. We've got a Facebook page. Everything, all the new projects are always marketed on uh, Facebook and Instagram. Um, most of the time, one adoption um, promote our stuff as well uh, I don't use Twitter because I find it overwhelming so we've got an account but you won't find anything on there because I don't particularly enjoy it um, we do have a formal newsletter as well so people can get in touch with me in order to kind of sign up for a newsletter that's quite brand new actually so people would need to just drop me an email if they wanted to go into our newsletter and then that's the best way that if there's any opportunities you know you won't miss anything if you signed up to that um, but the first thing is Instagram and Facebook really um, and just look out for all our news as, as things start happening. How exciting. Okay, well, thank you very much. Thank you for joining us. It's been really great chatting to you. You're welcome.